you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Around the NFL podcast. Do you want to go bowling? Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room that is filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. You want to hear something gross? Uh, maybe. Erica, how are you right now? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. How you feeling? That's good. Cool. Want to hear something gross? <laughs> so mean. You look beautiful. Thank you. you just, I, no, I the don't. Voice. I look exactly how I feel. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, a fire, Eric, though. Erica, a little under the weather, but she's here. And that, I mean, that's that's what it's about. I mean, the season begins after Thanksgiving, which means no days off, mm. and you grind and you play through injuries. Yeah, it's in stark contrast to when Erica went to Spain, uh, smack dab in the middle of the campaign. But that's that's what I'm saying. You're, it's growth. You're growing. Yeah, or or um, or where did I go? Scar- Scotland and Ireland for a free agency. I mean, <laughs> that was that was well played. <laughs> uh, but in Erica's defense, the season had not started yet because of no, that's yet I thought we proved that's only if you're trying to win the Super Bowl. Oh, right, for us, right, 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 right. It started in late July, and this is officially <laughs> week 21. <laughs> Of 28 weeks. Eight to go. Mm. Ouch. Week 21. Um, as we got upstairs, there was a Spanish language podcast uh, running long, which, you know, it's happened. It happens. We just had never seen it before. That's never happened. Though. Yeah, the trend zone, uh, which they seem to be having a great amount of fun. It did make me think of, uh, you know, how with the... The Office, as an example, which started in the UK, of course, came to the US, and now there's different offices... Uh, pr- programs all over the world in different languages. Maybe that will be us one day. Maybe we will have spinoffs all across the globe. Well, Mark, truly be a global podcast. Mark did note that they had their own version of Dan Hansis on this podcast. <laughs> I like that guy. <laughs> he had a beautiful head of, well, I believe it was a wig, but of hair. And I, you guys left. Well, I'm not that far away from just wearing sunglasses at all times. No, it, he had a Dan vibe in from a house. You guys all left the studio for a bit, but I noticed the guy sitting right in my seat, 
Uh, and we met the other two, but I didn't meet him, so I don't know his name. Uh, had made a very fiery point that I felt spiritually connected with. We were just playing the same role. Is he is he troubled as well? I don't know. <laughs> he seemed a little bit upset. It is the something. role, though. You know, I that you hear that on on studio shows. You want to put oh, the yeah. fiery guys on the edges to bring the the heat. That's why they got Irvin on the edge. They put Mooch. You know, Mooch with the sweaters, he's in the middle, you know, calm presence, and then Irvin just fire on the edges. And a guy sitting look. actually in your seat, Dan, at the end of the show, and Eric was there, this is true, was raising a Jets jersey, and they were all singing J-E-T-S. Really? I mean, I, that's, I could decipher this is that. My I did not podcast. know what else they were saying, but it was Guy, my seat was a sea of tranquility. And I, I reached out, and that's just like you, was, and I reached out to Henry Hodgson, vice president of International, on our um, instant messenger client, just wanted to make sure I had the show correct. Give him a little plug. Trend zone. He responds, correct. Be nice to them, please. Not another international hating bit. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. When have you done that? I wouldn't I consider know. it hating. More like baiting. Yeah, like, you know, international baiting. I think I know who he's That's what Dan about. specializes in? He's Henry, talking about Mobo. Henry, <laughs> he's still upset about the, oh. keeping up a bow ringer bit. Which, you know, speaking of which, we have to get to that, see what he's up to as he enters his age 37 season. Um, all right, Still big on the show. Back squad at age 37. <laughs> he's going to kill me. Um, big show. He just wrote Gracias, which is a nice little way to wrap up that instant messenger conversation with a little. As you were sticking language. a knife in his back. <laughs> I love Henry. He loves me. All right. Let us um, get to today's show. A lot to get to um, news, including, oh, yeah, another Patriots scandal. Oh, Spygate 2. Spy harder. <laughs> this time it sticks. <laughs> Legacy's destroyed. <laughs> it's real. It's happening this time, Greg. Mm. Excited. Greg's been quiet about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I'm, I'm just enjoying this. That'll all we have to take out of the show since they, the league shadowy figures was like, no matter what, you got to play this straight down the line. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. It's not uh, what the last show was doing. Uh, bringing back a fun segment. What you people don't realize uh, talking about an NFL team coach player subplot in the league right now and, you know, enlightening each other. Just saying, hey, dummy, this is what's actually going on in the league right now. Um, it's a tricky one because we – it's like what takes do we have that we haven't made on this podcast so then the listeners would know that, Maul. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. And that's they would have to erupt since Sunday. That's why we're professionals, Greg. Uh, Thursday night football preview. I'm a little worried about this one. The Jets traveling to Baltimore to face the Ravens. What's the worry about? <laughs> no expectations, at least. The only the only thing I got go- going for me is that Lamar Jackson is a little banged up and maybe won't be as dynamic as usual. Uh, but before we get to that, there was one last game in week 14, and it was another New York team, and uh, they went to Philadelphia looking to put a stake through the heart of the Eagles. Wentz to the end zone, wide open. They did it. Zach Ertz. Eat that W, Philly. (laughs) All right. Monday Night Football. That was the ESPN call by Joe Tessitore. Carson Wentz. Zach Ertz, connect 
on a game-tying touchdown pass in the final minutes of regulation, and then, after winning the coin toss, go right down the field on the G-Men and score again. A touchdown ending the game and ending a real scare for the Eagles, who survived 23-17 over Eli Manning in the New York Giants. And, uh, you know, at halftime, Greg Rosenthal, Eli and Darius Slayton were picking on Ronald Darby. Hey, Ronald Darby, make a play. Be competitive in a big spot. Uh, two deep touchdown strikes. And it's 17-3, and the Eagles are getting booed off the field, and it looks like the impossible is happening, that this free-falling Giants team is going to go into Philly in primetime and win. Uh, but to the Eagles' credit, they figure out a way to get on track, and as a result, they're in first place in the NFC East with three to play. I mean, they could not have been less impressive looking and had you know more bad luck happen to them during the game. Losing Lane Johnson, they are not the same team without Lane Johnson. Losing Alshon Jeffrey, who Mike Garofolo now reports is out for the season. Playing with one real wide receiver, but also uh, Josh Perkins, who's basically a wide receiver throughout the game. It really felt like it, there was no way that they could catch up and score 17 points in this game. But when the Giants offense goes three and out six straight times, has I think in I know I know they did score on three possessions, but they went four plays or less on every other possession. Uh, it kept giving the Eagles a chance to make a couple plays. And uh, I think I'll remember this as the game we all learned a little bit about Boston Scott. I like that. A good, a, an ugly, bad football game that had a little something at the end. It was so ridiculous. By the end, I sort of enjoyed it. Did uh, Boston Scott's play lead you to believe, as it did me, that the Eagles have trouble evaluating their own talent? That this guy sat on the bench all year, just like uh, Greg Ward sat on the bench behind Mac Hollins all year. No, because I mean Miles Sanders hasn't been a problem. They're playing Jay Ajayi last week. That's Who fair. can't run? That's fair. What Maybe. a stark contrast to where we were heading into Week One, where the Eagles were being, you know, and for appropriate reasons in the past, trumpeted as the most forward-thinking, best self-scouting highest level front office activity in the entire NFL. It's just been a bad season. I mean, they're banged up. They're super banged up. They're banged up, but their team has also grossly underperformed. Darby was competing on that long touchdown. I think you're talking about Roddy McLeod, the safety, who I think was probably at fault on that play, like just gave up. And they're sa- just everything about the team has been underperforming. Like name the player on the Eagles who has played better this season than expectations. Like they're Brandon Brooks, maybe. Right, and that's they're it. almost Earth isn't has one. been representative of, of what he's able to do. That said, you you never I know I, I, we say this a lot. You never know if this win's going to matter. It was a it was a game where I feel like worse about them after watching them win, and yet they're they're six and seven, and they have the Redskins still left on I, the schedule. I get that, but I also I really did come out of the game gaining a new respect or being reminded of why I like Carson Wentz, why I've always liked him, because they really didn't have anything around him. He had Ertz, you know, the offensive line was beat up. By the time uh, Ortega Whiteside limps off the field in overtime. By the way, his name is now J-Jaw. J-Jaw Ortega Whiteside? J.J. Ortega Whiteside. J-Jaw, I like J-Jaw. Is it truly only a six catches this year? He's been on the field for like a thousand snaps. I feel like we've anyway, talked about him 500 times. Greg Ward Jr. is the only remaining wide receiver. Josh McCown, uh, the backup quarterback, was about to go in at wide receiver. That's how bad it was. And 40 years old. To Wentz's credit, 
he found a way to throw, you know, get in the end zone three times. And I, I just reminded me of why I like the guy, why he'll probably be better uh, down the road, maybe not this year, but down the road. And after the game, Doug Peterson was also feeling uh, very bullish about his quarterback. This was actually his comments on Monday. I think this would have to be his number one game, quite honestly. Um, and he would, you know, you could ask him later to, later this week, but I just think from from the standpoint of putting the team on his back and, and, and leading this team down the field, you know, down two scores and, and to tie the game and, of course, to win it in overtime, uh, some of the plays that he did make, uh, whether it was, you know, uh, extending it with, with his legs or, uh, you know, keeping a play alive and, and, and finding receivers down the field, just uh, and then his toughness to stand in the pocket and, and take some shots. Uh, I, I would say this would be his number one game, you know, in the four years that uh, – uh, has really kind of, you know, uh, it's exciting for him, and I think it gives him confidence moving forward. I, mean, I think that's got to. There's got to be Eagles fans out there remembering his MVP level play from a few years ago and say best game. Now, I do think he. You can't say he's not a tough player. I mean, they emerged from a first quarter where this just felt like. like a terrible high school game to me. And I couldn't believe it was actually being televised for people to observe. But Carson Wentz, you know, part of it is he's never had this full season. He's he's dealt with so much that you forget he's young still and the environment around a young quarterback matters. Yeah, he definitely had more productive and more visually appealing games during that 2017 season that ended with a knee injury, unfortunately, in December. But that was a Super Bowl champion. Uh, It was a loaded roster, and he made the most of it. I think that's what Peterson was getting at. Like, he has nobody around him, and he's still getting it on the earth, and that's about it. I've always been a believer, but I've adjusted my expectations this year that he might be, like Cam Newton, a physical marvel whose mechanical inconsistencies just don't make him an above-average passer. He reminds me of Big Ben, though, who I think had a hard time putting it all together in terms of playing the quarterback position in the first four or five years of his career from the neck up, which is very you know, common. And I think a lot of the complaints you see with Wentz, and, and you heard with Big Ben back then, was just not seeing the field, not seeing open receivers. And that, that well, can, your complaint is he's not an accurate passer. That's a, that's a problem, too, um, which it, I don't think was a problem for, for Roethlisberger. He definitely just misses a decent amount of throws. But this was an amazing performance. And I think, look, Peterson's saying that because – that was, I, they don't care that they're 6-7 and seven and they're ugly. They're, that was going to be the most embarrassing loss that they've had in an embarrassing season, in the, certainly in the Doug Peterson era. And suddenly Quarterback you're, ho- bailed him out. you're hoping that, that yeah. it rallies you to something. Because it was, it was stirring. In the end, it was a stirring win. As ugly as it was, if you're an Eagles fan or you're one of those players that was stirring. I have a one guarantee. Sorry. And I'll put sandwiches on this. Whoever wins this division is winning a playoff game. That's, All right, keep I'll hearing, take you on that. I keep hearing that. I'm now. not going near that. Just because it feels like that's what's going to happen. It's also happened before. It has. This, like ha- the last this has two happened times. since we've even been on the show multiple times. But it's more likely it doesn't happen. It's more likely it yeah. doesn't because the, so that's what I'll the, take you the, up the high water NFC competition is very, very the much sports are funny powerful like that. at the moment. It, it, it very well could be the Seahawks. I mean, yeah. Um, on the other side, quickly, the, the Giants... I, I enjoyed the the Eli fun in the first half. It kind of worked out perfectly for the Giants in the sense that uh, Eli had his moment there when he had the two touchdown passes. He had all the shots up on ESPN or the Peyton Manning box, which there were none in the second half, by the way. Uh, and then they go in the tank and lose the game. They keep, stay locked in at that number two overall pick. So Eli gets a moment. The Giants keep their draft <laughs> positioning. 
and uh, and away they go. I mean, he got a moment where he looked as depressed and heartbroken after the game as any time I've ever seen him. Not a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve. They did show Manning and the in the family right at the end when it, you know when they're when they're setting up the broadcast. This is Eli's chance to go win the game, to write the extra page in the book of Eli, and they're so nervous. And Eli, in his post-game presser, he just seemed crushed. I mean, we have a friend, Jason Hartilius, who we, you know used to work with us at this game. I mean, Giants fans, this game made them absolutely miserable. They wanted to win. That was the best-case scenario. I know it's nice to get uh, Chase Young, but they have Pat Shermer to thank. I mean, what a uninspired coach. How can they not be more prepared? for? T- How can coaches in general, Shermer's not the only one, be more prepared for timeout situations? It just they they All they do is talk about how hard they work all year. We work all year, all day, all along. How about in the off season, you run through these drills where you're prepared for different timeout situations because any kid playing Madden knows what to do. There's 45 seconds left or 40 seconds left. The Eagles have fourth down and they're like, they, Doug Peterson is smart enough to realize if they're going to let us not take a timeout here, we'll throw a Hail Mary at the end of this. And Pat Shermer is just stuck and frozen and doesn't realize that the clock's going to run another 25 seconds till, till he takes a timeout and they have no chance to tie the game. It's like, this is pretty basic stuff. And, and like head coaches being paid tens of millions of dollars. Don't well, know what to do. They're definitely it, not all created equal when it comes to the game planning. But it's there's like a, it's something it's a where bottom barrel. Part it's like a group. test where there's a right and a wrong answer. There's no interpretation. Like it's very. It's, Some people's minds just don't work that way. I get like, it. Like I'm always amazed that you're all over end of game situations where I am flummoxed every time. And, I, and I'm much like Wes. Like I would say this: the assumption that every football but fan they could should, hold on should they see need to hire this that clearly. It's like it's no, a skill fans, of yours too. Fans could fans. I wouldn't necessarily, but it would be a very easy thing to just practice and be ready for. You could do it in one one well, day. You could like if, if all the coaches skill. practice that timeout situation, like where they know what to do in different scenarios, they're done in eight hours for the rest of their life. I think. I mean, I'm, I'm about as analytical when it comes to that stuff as a small child. So I don't, I simply don't agree with that, that everyone okay. can learn that. Andy Reid's going to Canton and he needs a guy to help him out. Right. Yes. Right. Or just for, have a guy help, help him. Yeah, exactly. Dan, you'll be happy to know that was probably the first time I've ever rooted for Eli Manning in a game. Nice. He, um, I saw that quote before the game where he said his wife finally came to the game this year because <laughs> I haven't played in three months and you don't know if I'm ever going to play again. Yeah, and I think that's probably part of the reason why he was a little down after the game. And I, you know, Twitter is what Twitter is. The pitchforks were out, the the torches were out, and they everybody wanted Eli to go one for forty seven and throw seventeen interceptions because that's fun. That's a pursuit of people on the internet with the NFL, <laughs> and they didn't get quite what they want, but they got a little bit what they wanted in the second half when he threw for about thirty yards. And Saquon Barkley, can you make a play? Can you help? Can you help out the old man he's and not make right. a play? Yeah, he's not right because that's what they desperately, desperately needed in that second half. And it's not, you know, it's a running back or game help. after game after game. But in that game specifically, when Eli gave you that good first half, make a play, break, bust one, and they haven't haven't gotten that all year from him uh, really since that ankle injury. I know some people are talking about giving Eli a chance to compete for another team next year. He he can't. I think he can't. Yeah. He can't move. He looks done. His arm's not good enough. It, no, he's done. The weird thing was the broadcast kept saying, like, this might be the last time we see him. But by all accounts, there's no chance Daniel Jones is playing this week. And there's a pretty good chance Daniel Jones doesn't play the rest of the season. Well, I mean, I mean Shermer what, what, said that, there is a, that they are evaluating it as a possibility that, that Jones will be back. All right, let's uh, move on and hit the news. He's going for a 90-yard touchdown! 90-yard touchdown! 
Hey, Sam T, you see I ain't talking, right? Stay humble, bro. But you know he's right here. Stay humble, bro. I can say no, no. I can be excited. Yeah, but don't do that by my ear. Don't do it by my ear, man. I will do it by my ear. I will do it by my ear. No, no, no. Hey, one seven. That's what I do. I'll holler at you after the game. 17, just keep talking. Uh, the great, the greatest on-field soundbite of uh, Week 14, maybe the year. Yannick Ngakwe of the Jaguars gets to Philip Rivers a moment too late. Uh, Rivers completes the 90-yard touchdown pass. Uh, Ngakwe helps him up, and then Rivers just starts shouting, 90-yard touchdown, 90-yard <laughs> touchdown. Ngakwe did not like that. Uh, a fun little interaction. It was, it's, it's so funny, too. That's Philip Rivers being a bad boy, and it's still wildly wholesome. Uh, but also, Wes, uh, you had a good point on this. It's absolutely lousy sportsmanship. <laughs> it's just lousy. The guy helped you up. You're a jerk. It was, I mean, he's in the heat of the moment, so I'll give Rivers that. But I was struck by the fact that this lineman helped you up, and then you started shouting in his ear hole. And I, it's hilarious, that. though. I mean, every every time you've ever played sports, there's one person who talks way too much trash. And, and they usually, it is annoying. It's not funny. But it's they annoying. Lo- but they love the game. You can tell he's just so excited. Like, defensive players just think Philip Rivers is a crazy man. And he is. You know, I, he is. I like it. I like it. He's the dad in the knee braces and Larry Bird jersey at the Y. Yeah. Right. He just well, loves the game. He gets a little too amped up. But that guy's not talking trash. Uh, but he gets he gets emotional and he will talk. Right, he's too intense. And that's Rivers. Th- yeah. Honey, Honey Badger tweeted out basically saying this happens with Philip Rivers and most defensive players would not take offense because of who right. Philip Rivers is. Right. I would say where he was a week before too had a lot to do with this. Had Ngakwe not helped him up, by all means, talk all the trash right. you want. I look at it as like, or if the hit was a little late. Right. And we talk about heeding the call. I feel like Philip Rivers heeds the call. He doesn't know if that's his last long touchdown pass ever. He's got to enjoy you it. you got to hate the right call, not any call. <laughs> Longest of his career, too. All right, enough of this nonsense because we have some breaking news, like real heavy stuff, stuff that changes the complexion of the world we live in. Spygate 2. Yeah. Spy harder. Spy harder. The collapse of the Patriot dynasty. Wee. Spygate 2. Let's go through it. <laughs> Bengals coach Zach Taylor said Monday that the NFL is investigating if the Patriots had a videographer film the Bengals sideline from the Cleveland press box during Sunday's game. The Pats, of course, are playing Cincinnati uh, this upcoming week. Taylor had no comment to follow up questions on the matter. Rap Sheet reported via source informed the Patriots situation that New England reached out to the Browns for a credential who's the Browns and Bengals this week, uh, for a credential for a videographer to shoot behind-the-scenes footage on an advanced scout as part of their Do Your Jobs uh, video series. The Pats followed with a statement on Monday night confirming, confirming that the organization's video crew, independent of the football operation, did film the field while the press box, oh, Greg's dying, uh, during the Browns-Bengals game, Belichick, who's the head of this organization. It's Robert Kraft and it's Billy Boy. He, Belichick, goes on the radio and people have questions for him and this is what Belichick had to say. Well, the fact that they're, you're telling us that and we're also hearing that from other people who claim exactly what you just said, that it was for another TV show and yet it's being presented. We've been watching it all afternoon on ESPN and elsewhere that you know this was videotaping the signals on the sideline. I mean, we're going back 10 years, Bill. It's all over again. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. That's... Um, 
again, from a football standpoint, we absolutely know what the rules are, and we are 100% in, in compliance, to the best of my knowledge, of every single rule um, that we're responsible for. Greg, answer to it. That, I mean, that's that's where we'll start. <laughs> I mean, I have nothing to answer to. I got I got a few things. Wes. This immediately I love I can't wait to find out where Wes comes down on this. Absolutely. One. I might surprise you on this one. This immediately called to mind Sheck and Handsome Hanks debate a couple of weeks ago about the difference between irony and coincidence. Because this qualifies as both irony and coincidence. It's coincidence that the Patriots find themselves embroiled in another Spygate controversy. It's irony because what you see on the surface is not what's actually going on. But it's also irony because when the NFL found that the Patriots had excuses ready for the first Spygate, among those excuses was, tell them you need the footage for a team show. Oh. And my reading on this situation is that Belichick is 100% innocent. And it's just coincidence and irony that this happened i think there's freelance videographers involved i think if you work in a big corporation or a big building like ours you know that what's going on on the second floor for a tv show has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on in other parts of the building and that's my reading on the situation this is just an unfortunate coincidence mm, i thought you were gonna down s- the pale west i thought you were gonna say it was ironic because it was the bengals it was ironic because there's no coach or figure, I would say, in NFL history that Bill Belichick reveres more than Paul Brown. And there is no coach in NFL history, really that era, where there was such paranoia f- about Paul Brown, about a few different you know, coaches. George Allen would certainly be in that mix. Al Davis, where they all always thought they were spying on each other. They always all thought that like they were trying to get extra edges by doing little things, and nothing was ever proven. But Paul Brown especially, who modernized uh, the NFL and you know, eventually uh, you know, owned the Browns, you know, he, he was kind of a guy that people had their suspicions about. So I thought, I thought that's where you're going with the irony. In case, in case you're just joining us. Spygate 2, return of the gate. The Patriots under siege, a dynasty in shambles, and we're speaking right now with Patriots PR flack, Greg Rosenthal, who says he has too much respect, Bill Belichick, to ever cheat on the Bengals. Go on, Greg. No, I would never say that. I don't have a... I'm You'd not. have to be insanely stupid and reckless to be the Patriots and try to videotape. By the way, I, well, hold to, on, be, to be honest, I, I agree with you on okay. this. Hold on. But right. it, it, you reap what you sow. Here's Sorry. one right. thing that bothers I agree me. With that. When they, the, according to Paul Denner Jr., The Athletic, right? The report that came out this morning. This is where I get caught up a little bit. And I'm not trying to spin it somewhere evil or anything either. I... I the, the, Real quick, Mark Maskey of the Washington Post reported before we came up here that severe sanctions are unlikely for the Patriots from where we stand right now. But- yeah, Ian said they, the league is inclined to believe the Patriots' intentions on the videotape, and that doesn't mean there won't be a penalty. We, and we'll fine. see where we are 24 hours now. But in that report by Paul Denner, if I, I want to see the footage of over the shoulder of Show the scout. Show us the footage. The scout, well, they looked at it, according to these sources. That It's not some sort of uh, you know flighty documentary where you're looking at the advanced scout typing and doing right, this work. Right, they did that earlier, apparently. Right. What it is, there are people, according to sources in this report, who have viewed the tape. It shows about eight minutes of footage mm. focusing on recording the Bengals' sideline. It's a direct view of the sideline as players run on and off the field and coaches make signals for plays. Does that sound like a playful, do-your-job? 
job documentary about a advanced scout where you would want to have him in the picture. You'd want close-ups of him. How does he do his job? Why are we? Why is there? Eight, if it was eighteen seconds, that's different. Eight uninterrupted minutes of the sideline raises suspicions right. from a team that's done this before. Right. Release the tapes. The, the best. The best thing. I, I feel. I'm actually surprised you guys are. So just throwing it totally out. I don't really have I'm like, not. a big, uh, no, I mean, Wes and Dan, no, a big I, opinion one, or no, one way or another yet, because it's like, who the hell knows? People come on TV with like super hot takes about everything when like, my question is was, a Rosenthal trope, though. Whenever no, no, no. you want to throw doubt on something, you just say, who the hell knows? But we're trying to break down right. what, but what you, we're you hearing. You gave a stronger opinion that, than I would, even that, that you would throw it out, that it's that it's all. I'm not th- I want this investigated more than I ever wanted the uh, slightly underinflated football investigation. No, my, my question was, was what do what would you gain? <laughs> what do you get from looking at the sidelines? And people people have talked about, well, of course, they're not actually calling the plays on the sideline anymore, but maybe there's some little things with like personnel groupings and then other ex-players say, well, sure. you can figure all that out. And then you send the tape looking. to Ernie Adams so he can dissect it. You know, the man behind the curtain. My my thought was more at the other end. Like, I, I don't know. Isn't this stuff, it's so, it's tiring. Like, just because I grew up in Massachusetts, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't have any, like connection to like wanting to defend anything the Patriots do in general. But tiring as in if something's been wrong, we, we're too tired to look into it? No, not that. I think more like, look into it. No, more like when stories come up like this, it's like, okay, we got to take sides. Like here's the, if you're inclined to believe in conspiracies, then those are, there's that side. And then if you're a Patriots fan, you have to have your talking points. And you don't have like, to. I definitely don't. My problem I mean, is that that's, I don't have that feels points. to me like a, it's a little dismissive right. of people Caring or why, all I'm saying, I think Wes is too, is what I'm reading, what they put out, and we're, again, we're still learning. It to me sparks the concept of wanting to investigate further. I don't sure, have a did. hot take about it. The, the, the thing they have working for them, I would say, the Patriots is just a, I guess, like the, the defense of like, if we were that stupid, why would we do it in literally in the seat in front of a Bengals too employee? Too brazen for it to that be. That feels weird. The, the, a seat in front of the Bengals employee. And then also, you know, if you remember well with the, with Spygate and with the, with the um, Deflategate, the messaging was a little delayed. It wasn't as clear. It wasn't as we're going to give you all the evidence in the world. Whereas this one, they came out swinging immediately as, you know, as at least giving the, the response that you would hope or expect someone that actually didn't do anything wrong to make, which is they came out hard right away. Belichick talked. They released a huge statement. They gave the tape right away to the NFL or whatever. And they said it's in, it's in their hands. So that, that's on their side. I don't know, though. I wouldn't put, a, you know, who the hell knows? Put I would categorize it as a destabilizing 48 hours right. for the my, Patriots. It would also be like, do they, the Patriots really need a rallying cry once again? Right. They my, will try to use this, I'm sure. Yeah, my thing is more like, I don't know. It, it's just in the scheme of things, am I, am I going to keep getting worked up about stuff like this emotionally, wh- whether it's the Patriots or anything else NFL-related, when... Yes, we take football very seriously. Like, we love talking about the game and stuff. But, like, 
controversies like this, it's hard to like get too worked up about when we're talking about like real things going on in the world or even real things right, going on in the NFL. You're, you're minimizing it. And in the grand scheme, of course, it's not a, as big a deal as what's going on in the world, politics, uh, you know, crime, things like that. But it's still something that deserves to be looked at. And I'll say this, even if it was an innocent mistake, and that's really, again, where I kind of come down. It is way too brazen for them to actually, I think, be attempting to do this kind of stuff again. But at the same time, for an organization that's as well run as this, to not have the awareness that if you're the Patriots, don't don't even do that. Somebody should be talking to that video team. Like, listen, we were involved in the biggest like cheating scandal of the last 20 years in sports. Uh, maybe we should not even go down that road. But to me, that doesn't mean that they, they are evil cheaters in this case, just maybe there was a I, I, I would say if, if I'm hiring Look. someone inside a company to create a engaging three or four minute piece about an employee and doing their job, right? I don't understand where the technical concept is. Here's how we're going to make this engaging. We're going to film the sideline for eight straight <laughs> minutes without moving the camera. That's a question that needs to be answered. All right. When we will continue to track this story as we must, as journalists... As the gatekeepers. I'm glad you're on the case. We're all on this. We're all on this. And Greg will run interference. Because <laughs> he does. I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> Spygate 2. Keep spying. Spy harder. <laughs> all right. Keep spying. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, let's move on. The NFL is planning a, quote, top-down review of officiating. Uh, uh, in the offseason. This from our own Judy Batista. Uh, the review will include examining who should be in charge of replay reviews at the officiating command center. Um, obviously, it's been a difficult season uh, for the officials and the especially the enactment of the pass interference review rule, which we've kind of covered exhaustively throughout this season. Uh, right now, the head of the whole thing, of course, is Senior Vice President of Officiating Al Riveron. Uh, but this certainly doesn't sound, uh, Wes, like very good news for Al. Well, this has been bungled at every step along the way, starting with the germination of the idea in the first place. And the competition committee, which I used to believe was by far the best in all of sports, is on a losing streak for a few years now. And this this idea that we can change rules over the course of the season, depending on what we want emphasized that week or that month, messes with the integrity of the game and needs to stop. It's been a trend for the last couple of years, and you need to have your rules in place by week one and have those rules in place the entire season. I, I just, I, I've lost some faith in what's going on with the rules in the NFL. I, I have, to a, a lesser degree, partly because I feel like no matter what happens, everyone's going to be complaining. So it, it, hurt it like I don't know what to do with that and on some level it start it just bores me if only because there's so much we don't know about everything that goes Greg's on not into anything no 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 <laughs> I, there's so much that we don't go that n- goes on to every play and every player and everything else that interests me in the NFL it, but I hear so much about officiating from so many smart people all the time and it's all very similar points that it's like I get it but I guess I don't know what else you can do how can you start with that call at Green Bay in week three with Philadelphia where it was clear and obvious and then go two months not call anything and then in week 14 hand a game 
to a team based on a call that wasn't as clear and obvious as some of the other ones. The Dolphins-Jets game was handed to the team. Well, I think we found out that it was going to be a problem in our summit with yes. all of the other um, you know, on-air people where it was so obvious when Al Riveron was pointing out which plays were clear and obvious and which ones weren't, half the audience disagreed with him. On every right. call. Yeah. So we knew then. So I, I, I get that to, in their mind, Wes, obviously they're not trying to confuse people. Like they think it is clear and obvious and other no, people don't. No, 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 don't. no, 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 no. You're covering for them. They have deep... I'm saying they were back in, back in July. The, the em- definition was not obvious. They changed the emphasis during the season. And you know this because all of the talking head referees on all the TV shows in week... In week 13, yes. came out with talking points saying, hey, this is changing now. Every single it's one of them three weeks. on the first and time they threw to those analysts. But here's the thing. I think it's it, at least can we, for the most part, I would say it's better right now. I, they've corrected about, I can think of six or seven very, no very obvious calls. And then there's been a couple where it seems I, I side with Greg on the, on the, I just don't know how you fix it, where it's the hundredth year of the NFL and you go back 80 years, you could, people didn't like officials then. You could shout at them, but the officials had authority because there were no other eyes. There was no technology has turned this into a total debacle because the te- we can see much better than the officials. We have 80 angles, and they have been stripped of their on-field authority. The, prob- the problem here is that Ron Rivera, uh, Al Rivera, Al, Al River, Ron, excuse me, is saying he's coming out telling a pool reporter on Sunday it is not being applied any differently than it was at the beginning of the year. That's just not true. And then here, here's some data right here, and this is from um, Andrew Siciliano and the NFL Now team. From weeks 1 to 10, 10 out of 65 PI challenges were reversed, 15 15.4%. From weeks 11 through 14, it's been 10 out of 22, 45.4%. There has been... A change. Now, it's a small sample size. And there's been more of those where they call in and change it on their own. And that's happened. And here's the thing. And you brought up the Jets-Dolphins, Wes. They got, they got the call right because it was pass interference by, by the law. But however, why, why it doesn't work, and even though, yes, I agree with you, Greg, and I agree with you, Mark, that at least they're kind of at least making the rule worth a damn now, you just cannot change a rule in the middle of of a season, just like you can't change rules in the middle of a game. You have to have one guiding guiding principles for how you're going to enforce something. It's got to stick through the whole season before you change it. Uh, didn't we see something very similar uh, last season when it came to roughing the passer? The, yes. The, the, all the, the stuff that was going yes. on with Clay Matthews and all of a sudden that kind of dried up as – they have to get, get out of this habit and maybe it is a and, top-down review. And with the maybe. helmet, the – Leading with the helmet. Remember, we spent a whole offseason talking about the leading with the helmet uh, rule. They're like, how can running backs even survive in today's NFL? It's like Michael <laughs> Robinson and Maurice Jones-Drew standing up for the running back, rights of running back. I think they've called that penalty four times in the three years since. It's Who like, was it? It was never a, happened. It was a Browns running back. They named it after him. Who was it? It was the when you can't put your head down. I don't feel like they had a running back before <laughs> Nick Chubb showed up. So Peyton Hillis? Not Hillis. Uh, oh, well. Doesn't matter. Um, all right. I'm kind of half paying attention during those summits, so that might be the reason I can't come up with the name. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on uh, and deal with you know, the lighter side of sports. <laughs> uh, lost seasons, bad things happen to teams, and stupid stories pop up around bad teams at the end of seasons. Le'Veon Bell 
Uh, he came down with a flu bug last week, and usually when a player gets sick and you, you hear about it, uh, you know, heading into the weekend of the game, he ends up suiting up. But when it comes to this Jets team and this Jets season, Bell actually gets shut down. He's not playing, okay? Uh, the Jets win without him. In fact, Billy Powell sets the team uh, high for rushing yardage in a game of 74 yards. So that tells you a lot about Le'Veon Bell's season with the Jets. Anyway, Saturday night, while the Jets were at a hotel prepping for the Dolphins, Bell was spotted at a New Jersey bowling alley uh, hours after the Jets had ruled him out of the Week 14 game uh, with the illness. Now, here the setup to this is that you kind of knew when they come to Adam Gase today what he's going to say, which is, well, we don't really, we didn't, he wasn't supposed to be with the team. So we're, because he was contagious and we've heard about the flu bug going around the NFL the last couple of weeks. Uh, however, it's obviously not a great look. And here is what Adam Gase had to say about Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I'm with you. That's not, I mean, that wasn't his fault that we said that he was still contagious. I mean, that's what, that's what the doctors told him. I'd rather him not be at home just getting better. So you want, is that something or anything? Discipline for. I can't tell him this. You have to stay in your house. <laughs> oh my gosh, Gay, Gay seems so uh, so miserable. But maybe this breaking news will uh, cheer him up. Le'Veon Bell has revealed he bowled a 251 on Saturday Whoa. night. His Whoa. best score ever. He had the flu game. He can fight through injury. <laughs> Career high. He also said doctors told him to get out of the house and get moving, which feels like a convenient excuse. I've, you know, I'm really upset that he's just throwing the Jets' money away and disrespecting them. <laughs> Jerome like Bettis this. versus Lev Bell in a bowling contest. What do you mean? It's the best thing he's done all year in an athletic pursuit. <laughs> I'm proud of him. I mean, he skips the game. What kind of teammate is that anyways? <laughs> Are you trying to get even for the Patriots, though? No, this is more, it was this more is like a bigger a, story. It was more like a New York story. Sp- impression of like a New York <laughs> sports talk show host. Uh, what, who's more likely to be a Jet in 2020, Lev Bell or Adam Gase? Oh, wow. That's a tight horse race. I think I, I would say Adam Gase only because we know he has or we've heard that he has ownership support, whereas – the head coach never wanted Le'Veon Bell in the first place, and now he's delivered a season where he's done almost nothing. I, I, I imagine the he Jets are going to... He bowled a 251. Yeah, well, other than the 251, which is very good. I yeah. mean, Adam Gase is, has some history of taking what should be good running backs and minimizing their abilities. I don't think that it's all on Lev Bell. They have a terrible offensive line. He but, hates running backs. Well, come get him. Come get Lev Bell. I mean, he was up Any for, teams he was, out there. He was floated in you'll the get trade. The guy, you'll get the guy that was on the Steelers if that's indeed true. Right. Charlie Castro. Second round uh, pick. Go ahead. Said Billy Powell is, you know, they're better off with Billy Powell because Billy Powell just runs, goes for it, and Bell's style doesn't necessarily work with such a bad offensive line. His contract makes him essentially impossible to cut. Although they could, Everything it would possible. have to be a trade. Actually, they could yeah. just do it because Bortles they got could cut. just eat it if they want, but it just is ridiculously stupid. They won't eat sl- it, though, because as bad as he has been this year, there are you could point to reasons why it hasn't worked out. And also, this is the first instance where he's kind of been uh, painted or looked poor as a teammate. He's been a pretty good soldier overall, but I think they will... I think they'll move him in a trade. And they might not get a lot of value back, but they'll get the money off the books. And a team will think they can get yeah. the old this, Lev Bell th- back. This GM also had nothing to do with that, mm. that signing. I will I say know. bowling is about as overrated of an activity as you can find in America. 
I think it's one of the great underrated parlor games. Well, but you we, hate all parlor games. No, I but name I, a parlor game you like. I, 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 bowling. I like bowling more than other parlor games. I just think it's <laughs> overrated as like overrated by who? Remember the the Super <laughs> the Raiders. Bowl when we all, anyone can play it. Remember the Super Bowl we all went bowling and the old Zeuser bowled like a 53 on his first try, so he was over in the next lane practicing while we were all <laughs> I forgot about that. That was in New York. Yes. Lev Bell, by the way. The oil wasn't right on that lane. He's guaranteed $13 million next year. No one's trading for him unless the Jets offered to pay like half that money, which doesn't even It'll get, feel Like a Brock Osweiler. Just bring him back. He's fine. He's not their biggest I mean, t- problem. Teams were – he generated interest at the trade deadline. All right. I'll put a sandwich out there that he's not on the Jets next year. Anybody I mean, I'll know? take you just for the sake of it, but the sport. I, I kind of I'll think it. Right? Sure. No, yeah. okay. Throw it on I like that parlor. Throw it on the board. I think there's a better <laughs> chance. A I think there's a better chance Gase is gone. That one's still on my radar. Gase they just they tried so to. unhappy. Well, if Matt Rule, well, they didn't they want to hire Matt Rule, the Baylor coach, and he basically said no. Well, no, they, they, wanted, he, they wouldn't allow him to yeah, hire right. his own staff, which is yeah. ridiculous. Right. Okay. Right. They didn't have experience, so they hired. Anyway. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, what is your best bowling score ever? Ooh, I'd say about 190. I lost to, I, I'm not saying this as this is true. I lost to a child once when I was an adult, <laughs> and I am not a good bowler. That may have something to do with Triple my, digits? I think I got 193 like one time, but I it, it never got anywhere near that usually. Uh, my high is uh, right around to 170, and it's a great disappointment because Keith Hansis averages about a 186. My dad averaged about 170-something. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, I, I believe I let him down. Now, I've always told my dad, I said, Dad, you know, you could have helped me. You, you've taught, you taught me so many things in life about how to be a man, how to be a ball player, uh, how to treat people, how to treat family, uh, but you never taught me how to bowl. And I've always held that against Pop. I mean, <laughs> and and he knows that. Wow. I, and it's not too late, Dad. Held against. Dad's coming. Dad's coming for Christmas this year, and maybe we. we I was gonna say that's Omar, a game that you Omar can play Lee. your whole life. I mean, it's not too late. Yeah. In his, you're def- just in your prime now. <laughs> right, exactly. It is a bit on you to practice some. Also, right. It, yeah. In his defense, there. it yeah. does kind of feel like one of those sports you can. I mean, just figure it out. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess I never really practiced it. Well, that's a fact. I have faith you throw in it. it. Although I guess, yeah, the whole spin and all that stuff. Make it a goal for your forties. Yeah, become a bowler. Actually, become a bowler. Good forties. My buddy Bob have talked about bowling. There's some good Maybe alleys around here. Hang up the spikes and become put on the old bowling shoes. Put on the clown shoes. It's a big LA sport. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's move on. Oh, let's head to the kicker club. Oh yes, yeah. I need some good news after that left bell drop. The good news is somebody lost his job. Yeah, baby. Brett Maher is out as the Cowboys kicker. And when somebody's out, somebody's got to come in. And guess who's coming in? Kai Forbath, baby. It's a good day for the Cowboys. To save the Cowboys season. This is exactly the situation I wanted. I hated the New England Patriots. The Cowboys? Is that what you said? Yeah, we're the, we're the Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. This is a new fan club. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fan club. We got. Let's go over it again. We have... The Cowboys, the Blauhards. Blauhards struggling right now. The uh, Bohemians. Doing well. The Lions star. Uh, are we missing anyone? You still well, run in that Minshew club? The Minshewians. <laughs> the Minshewians? <laughs> I mean, yes, the that's right. I didn't know it was Minshewians. I would say if you, of everyone we just mentioned, that's the fan club that has the best shot of thriving a year from now. I've just heard the, the numbers are down recently. It also sounds like a, fans in there. like a 15th century cult. 
<laughs> it's, it's versatile. Anyway, good spot for Kai here because he joins a first-place team, a team that's on TV all the time that people are going to pay attention to that um, he has a chance to really get his career back on track. Or so. you could view it as a, a ship that's suddenly been turned on fire in the middle of the water and maybe sunk three weeks from now, and he could be gone in a week. And isn't that the life of a kicker in general? It is. I mean, it's a great opportunity. Indoors. That's what I'm saying. Big spots, you know. Playing for a team that laid down like dogs in their last game. <laughs> in other kicker news, Adam Vinatieri uh, is undergoing season-ending knee surgery, ending his disappointing uh, and ugly 24th NFL season with the Colts. He came out today, I believe, and said he wished he would have got the surgery mm. before the season. Mm. And you know what that means? He ain't ready to quit. That means that is that has all the earmarks as long as, as the leg cooperates with him in the rehab of a guy that wants to come back and prove to everyone the only reason he was bad this year was not because he was finished, it's because he was never physically right. He wants to leave the door open. He's turning forty seven. Did you know according to Pro Football Reference, he's also known as Automatic Adam, Iceman, or Vinny. No. Where do they get these? I, I wrote an article once on our yeah. website about the strangest nicknames. Oh, I yeah. think Vinny might have been one that got a little Who's ever called him Automatic Adam? No one's ever called him any of those things. Hey, if Peyton Manning can wait till the last year of his career to be called the Sheriff and it sticks, it, then maybe it, this one. He will. I, I guess they're just going to rubber stamp him for the Hall of Fame. It is very strange how kicking has wait, changed. Wait, what's this take? It, it's less You're to do with... You're upset about the no, no, Adam no. Vinatieri for no, Hall it's of less, Fame? No, it's just no position it has more obviously... Every, obviously, every position has changed, but it's it's... No more clear because kicking's the exact same basically now as it was back then. Jan Stenerud, the only kicker in the NFL Hall of Fame, no, I believe. Martin Anderson went okay, in. Okay, Martin went in too. But Jan Stenerud, for a long time, was the only kicker, had the exact same career field goal percentage as Brett Maher did this season for the Cowboys. That's well, how much kicking has changed. Right. Like if you hit two thirds of your kicks now, you get replaced by Kai freaking Forbath. Mm. Back then, you they know. put you, you were the best kicker of all time. That's how you know sports are so much better. The athletes are so much better because anything you can track, like track and field, right. anything with a clock, right, or anything that's measured, people blow away the records. I mean, it's not even a contest. Some more pro football uh, focus weird names. A uh, pro football reference, I should say. Uh, Tom Brady, the Pharaoh. No. What? What does this feel? So I think they're like leading Go to ProReference.com. It's right no, there. I know, but that's... Adam Vinatieri, Automatic Adam or Iceman. J.J. Watt, The Milkman or J.J. Swat. Okay, I've heard Swat. You've heard that one? Yeah. How about... Another one for Tom Brady is Sir. <laughs> what? <laughs> How about Eric Berry is The Fifth Dimension? Never heard of that. How about Eric Berry's out of the league? How about what is happening? How about, Why is Eric Berry out of the league? How about Patrick Mahomes, the musician, Fatrick, or the gunslinger? How, Never what heard is it. the Brett what, Favre what is, has an autobiography or a biography called The Gunslinger that's what, already taken? What is I, Pro Football Reference? A rather serious. I reached out to them on it. Yeah, what's the they love it? They love it. They they stated that. It's sometimes something they pick up or someone mails into them and they don't vet it too hard. It, it's kind of like a fun little thing, but there's always something behind it. It's just, it's not made up. Mitch Trubisky, Mr. Biscuit. What? Yeah. I'll send this link out. This is, that was, that was a good one. Or um, stale Biscuit. All right. Ouch. <laughs> you actually picked a good Thursday night game to miss there. We talked about it on the show. Yeah. No, that was. Trubisky raising 
back from the I mean, bed. I got Jets Ravens, so I'm not sure that I didn't. It wasn't <laughs> in the world of trading assets. I'm, not I'm sure. sure Twitter by this point has Trubisky over Kirk Cousins in the rankings because the only thing that matters is what happened in the last Yikes. game. Yikes. Uh, I, I was the winner, though, and uh, so the listeners of the Throwback Podcast, uh, they will, oh, yeah. because I took over, we talked a little Arcade Fire Funeral. It was well, yeah, one of the most fun times fun. I've had. Well, you're going to have to top my post-TNF uh, recap <laughs> appearance on that show. That was We the... discussed teenage years mixtapes, essentially. Yes. Uh, Mark nice. Sessler anthems. <laughs> and Chris Wessling is going to come in with his wife very soon. Well, maybe now she's getting... Well, you better do it. Knocked her up, so now we got a problem. (laughs) What? (laughs) We'll see if we can get her in. She's still coming to work. I think she can do a throwback. Talk about music. I know it's tough being pregnant, though. I've seen it. I've seen my wife go through it. It's it's not easy being up late, sitting in an uncomfortable chair in a garage. Touche. Well, maybe we get her earlier, but you know, before it. You know, you don't when you get to second term, Erica, third term. You know how it gets really rough. Well, Keisha has maintained. What? Are you, why? What are you doing? Now, er- You're Erica just digging yourself, just Erica. <laughs> oh my God, Greg! Wait a minute. Right, that will not make. <laughs> All right. Um, oh my God. Uh, All right. That's that's what's happening in the news. All right. Do we want to? Do we have? To, do we have time to do this segment? I mean, come on, we're fifty minutes into the show. Do we want to just go to the really, TNF preview? Really chewing the fat. How about one quick, quick one each? All right, one quick one each. What you people don't realize? Mark's like, oh, there's no way uh, for me I mean, to be quick. I will try to be quick. Uh oh, he's got pages. It's not outrageous. He's got highlights. It's not outrageous. It's do you want topical. us to start with you or close with you? I'll go first. How about that? And get uh-huh. out of the way, and then you guys can decide how quick you want to be after. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's right. just Mark. Mark. All right. What you people, that's this topical, that's the name of this segment, right? What you little snowflake windbags don't realize is that my previous prediction about backup quarterback Jarrett Stidham winning a home playoff game for the Patriots has been altered by the spiritual impact of these new Pats videotaping issues. What you lakefront slappies don't realize is that New England's 2019 journey will end like this, with a Titanic postseason whacking at home by Mike Vrabel and the Titans. Tom Brady will throw three first-half picks, and the Patriots will lose by 20-plus points in front of a melting-down Gillette Stadium with Bill Belichick suspended and out of the picture. Can you picture. pause one second, Mark? Have you noticed that every one of our segments turns into a wild Mark Sessler prediction now? Doesn't matter what the, <laughs> what the setup is. Well, this started as what's more likely until about 20 minutes before the show. So. All right, go on. But with Bill Belichick suspended and out of the picture and with Josh McDaniels serving as fill-in head coach and with Brady toiling amid whispers the team will not bring him back in 2020, for months after the loss, Brady defiantly refuses to speak to anyone inside the organization and winds up signing a one-year monster contract with Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins. What's more likely? <laughs> I don't know. What was the what's more likely then? I'm curious. Well, I had to read, write it. <laughs> Give on us the what's more likely. Let's go that. Let's go that. I don't have a. I erased all that. <laughs> so what's more likely? Tom Brady's on the Dolphins next year or? <laughs> this is a, this is, I'm telling you a scenario that is well, happening. You know what? So. That, that scenario, which, you know, now you're covered either way. Like now you have two different scenarios. So. If Stidham up plays, if Titans, you know, you don't get credit for Stidham now if that happens. <laughs> you sure you want to do this? Still, I, you, I do. You will get credit. He knows he will. I will get credit either way. <laughs> um, so that's good. You're, you're doubling your chances. You, that scenario really reminds me of 2009, which I think was the darkest uh, mo- moment of the last 
20 years of the Patriots, unless you get really uh, worked up about Spygate or whatnot, uh, was, you know, them getting booed off the field after the Ravens beat them by, what, 25 points? And there was, like, trash. There was a windy day, and there was this trash blowing around. And that and that was really the, where everyone said, okay, is this the end of the Patriots dynasty going into 2000? And, and it was. Whether you, whether you believe it happened or not, I would say Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback ever, being suspended from the NFL for cheating was maybe a darker moment for the organization. As a fan, though, I like that one hurt more because you thought maybe it was over. No one thought he was the greatest quarterback of all time then. No one even would put him in that conversation. In 2009. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Wes, you are up. What you fatuous frauds (laughs) do realize is that Matt Ryan's 2016 MVP season under Kyle Shanahan calling the plays is the closest any quarterback has come to completing at least 70% of his passes at at least 10 adjusted yards per attempt. No quarterback has ever done it. What you odious ostriches with your head in the sand don't realize (laughs) is that Ryan Tannehill is currently at 73.4 completion rate and 10.2 adjusted yards per attempt. Not only is he accurate, he's lethal downfield. And, of course, all these things have to be adjusted for era. But you rarely see that combination of accuracy and downfield prowess in a quarterback. Especially Ryan Tannehill, where throughout his whole career, it's funny, we've done this podcast so long to see an, a, a guy that used to not really appreciate Ryan Tannehill taking over for your boy Mariota. And the thing we would get on Tannehill is he couldn't throw downfield. But they've been on fire doing it. They have played three of the worst you know, past defenses in the NFL they've that certainly played, helped his numbers. I saw something that they've played the second easiest schedule in the league this year, and their last three weeks are the hardest schedule in the league. But not pass defense, I wouldn't say, when you have the Texans twice. To your point about the arm strength, the, the touchdown to A.J. Brown on a play action where he had pressure in his face and couldn't even really step in and drive the way you would think you would have to do on like a 50-yard downfield heave, puts it right on the money, a perfectly thrown ball. To me, that was an eye-opener that, that he really does have a very strong arm. Not to be a total jerk, but I have to start to question... Adam Gase in the quarterback position. None of that was happening during Ryan's handle. I'm sorry. But, but you said that on Sunday also. We got that. I got you. Well, I didn't mean to st- <laughs> He's got to cover his face. I said it's Sunday. You said it Thursday. We're just bringing yeah, I didn't up say it's Sunday. Yeah. Do you want me to Thursday. defend Adam Gase? No, I don't. I cannot no, I don't. I, I am not interested in doing that. I know, but sometimes it's fun to see to what extent you're not interested in doing. I right, it's like you I don't think he's doing the whole thing the with the Spygate to see right. how interested I am in defending him. For right. this one, not at all. Stop putting yourself in stupid situations. Thank you. What's wrong with you? Okay, what you? Yeah, I didn't know we had to cook up these terms for each other. <laughs> what you frozen turd burgers <laughs> don't right. realize is that there is. A sheep. There is an emperor with no clothes in the NFC that currently has a bye if the season ended. The Packers aren't for real. You guys don't see that yet because you guys, you look at wins and losses and you look, oh, wow, they're handling their business. But you know what? And I'm not going to go too crazy about the last two weeks because if you get the Giants and the Redskins – and back-to-back weeks, you might not, you know, be completely pumped up and drop bombs back-to-back weeks. Say, hey, they just got the job done. But then you take a closer look at their schedule. You know, the last time they played a real team, the 49ers embarrassed them. 
uh, 37 to 8. And then it's like, where is the win where you kind of sit up in your chair and you go, ah, oh, yeah, the Packers, man. Uh, they beat the Chiefs. That was an arrowhead, but Patrick Matt, Mahomes wasn't playing. Yeah, Matt Moore. Uh, they beat, they killed the Raiders the week before, uh, which was in the moment. That was a nice win in the moment, but, you know, as we've kind of come to learn, that's obviously not a gifted Raiders team. Uh, they beat the Cowboys in Dallas in week five, but that was already when the Cowboys began their kind of slow descent into mediocrity. They don't really have, like, a team like the 49ers. They beat the Vikings. Okay, I'll give way you the back in week two. Yeah, they that's yeah. Week, week two, though. Two, I mean, right. that is ancient history. But I'll give you that. That that's a legitimate win. Um, Lost to the Eagles. My point being is that while a team like the 49ers, to use an example, being battle tested week after week, and you know what you got in them, if the Packers face one of these big boys in a big spot, do I think this offense is going to necessarily? Make the plays it needs to make. Do I think this defense should ever be trusted? Um, no, this this might have the feel of like one of those twelve and four teams that just kind of fizzle out in their first playoff game. We always fall back on, hey, as long as you make the playoffs, that's all that matters. It's a new season that starts then. But what kind of analysis is that? Every team has the same chance once the playoffs starts. No, the Packers. I agree with you. Are not that impressive. They are one of the least impressive ten and three teams well, I've seen. And they sound like it. They're frustrated. Rodgers and Lafleur sounded like they lost that game. I mean, they were pretty furious. I think with their offensive performance afterwards. I don't think it's it's not that everything uh, leading up uh, didn't matter. This, I mean, this team, especially that hasn't had a, a track record under this coach, they need to start putting it together. All right, Greg. Close it up. All right. What you, uh, imbeciles. Nice. All right. <laughs> fatuous. Did you say no, fatuous? I already said that. Fatuous. That's uh, <laughs> a buzzer. Fatuous. <laughs> How about what you chatterbox? Got a thesaurus up sixes? right now. No. <laughs> well, people don't realize the way to stop uh, the Ravens isn't necessarily. No, what you people don't realize. <laughs> what you bird brained. There we go. Fools. Nice. <laughs> Don't realize is the way to stop the Ravens isn't necessarily with a great rush defense. Mm. It, who really needs a great rush defense? What you need is a great pass defense. Y- you have two of the best pass defense in the league. Keep the Ravens under 300 yards. And I know the weather was, you know, not great. That was a factor. Hey, newsflash. The weather might not be great in the postseason either in Baltimore. The fact that they were under 300 yards in back-to-back weeks, to me, is an interesting development. And the way that they did it so similarly, the 49ers and the Bills, by trusting a great secondary to just win one-on-one matchups and crowd the middle of the field and stuff those Mark Ingram runs for the most part and have some athletes that can make uh, plays on the outside. Not many teams have that. It's not like you can just carbon copy the 49ers or the Bills roster. But the way that they've just absolutely over the last two weeks slowed down the Ravens passing attack uh, by saying beat us beat us one-on-one with those wide receivers and the Ravens haven't really been able to do it uh, I think was eye-opening and I look at one team in particular in the AFC the Kansas City Chiefs who can play pretty good pass defense and just dare you to match up one-on-one and and who knows I think that that is a tough matchup it's also happened to be the opponent that made Lamar Jackson look the worst. And everyone, okay, that was way earlier in the season. That's fine. It was still his worst game of the season by far, and he was especially lost in that game throwing the ball. I thought the Browns did the same thing the week later. Yeah, and But if you want to look at the Bills game specifically, Marquise Brown has been in a 
slump, and he's not healthy. He had negative two yards receiving in that game, and they lost Mark Andrews early on, and their offense to me is just simply not the same without him on the field. So they were a little banged up, but the guys, to the point of their depth, if you don't have Brown, and he's not been healthy, it feels like, in right. ages, and if something happens to Mark Andrews, they are pickoff candidates for that. I, I mean, I look, I think they're one of the great regular season teams. I keep saying that, but I do think that, that we've seen maybe a, a great secondary, a great past events like Buffalo, like Kansas City, maybe like New England, uh, you know, can can create some problems because you don't want to be too one-dimensional if you're the... How did they lose last year? Great timing, Greg. We spin this right into TNF preview. Oh, wow. Jets mm-hmm. at Ravens. And my question is, I see some similarities. 2019 Ravens, 2007 Patriots, where I'm asking, did they peak too soon? That's what I was just thinking. They were a juggernaut hard to do for it two as months. As they have, and, and like we saw that that graphic on TV out of Lamar Jackson's like last thirty three drives, twenty four of them had been touchdowns. There were more kneel downs than punts, and now they are um, they're winning games, just like the two thousand seven Patriots kind of stumbled to the finish line. Mm. I'm not even ready to go that far, but I do think to expect them to be just a juggernaut, you know, rushing attack and offense throughout the playoffs. It's probably not going to work out that way. And and they'll say, look, look how well our defense is playing. They can win games different types of ways. But it, you can't expect to get six touchdowns and six possessions in a there, game. Yes, they came out of their week eight bye. They had a three-game winning streak coming into the bye. Then they came out, dropped 37 points on the Patriots, 49 on the Bengals, 41 on Houston, 45 on the Rams. Gosh. That's uh, and so that was one of the great runs. Feels like uh, someone ripping off a Ravens Madden season in their right. living room. That <laughs> the was, morning. you know, that was arguably the greatest November we've ever seen. Maybe the 2007 Patriots have something to say, but those are four games all played in November where they just absolutely dominated the league and dominated some good teams as well. Will they ever get back to that height? Maybe, maybe not. But the Jets are a good team for them to uh, just, you know, work on some things if they feel like they've gotten a little bit out of whack because uh, obviously the Jets have struggled to score a lot of points. Uh, their defense has, I believe, um, overperformed. They've, they've had a nice season, but by no means are they a defense that should give Lamar Jackson and the Ravens a lot of trouble. I think one thing to watch for me, if I'm watching this from, you know, what is the what are we looking for? Why does this game matter? Because we all assume even Ravens, uh, easy Ravens victory, as does the desert, two touchdowns, in fact. Um, is Lamar Jackson moving well? He has this quad injury that's popped up. Um, that is not inconsequential because he's a guy that's shown he could throw the ball this year. Ian did tweet that Lamar said he's feeling great. Now, I know that players... Everybody say, says Everyone says great. that, yeah. but... So you got to see it. you got to see if he can make it through a whole game. Is he going to use his legs to make plays outside the pocket, which is what makes him truly special? So I think that will be the game, uh, thing to watch in Thursday night, which otherwise is going to be a hard game. Even uh, NFL Network, you know they've been doing those ads all season where they have the two fan bases like barking at each other. I don't even think they did that for this game because they knew we're not going to have some fake Jets fan like talking down to a Ravens fan right now. Mm, that's uh, a good call. I haven't seen. Yeah, I think that's. I think they a little they, bit much. They lost it for this game. Uh, Way to read the room. Yeah, so it just gives you a vibe of where this game should be heading. Uh, we'll find out how the Ravens uh, handle being a mess. I do wonder if some of the downtick on offense. And now you play the Bill, the Forty ers and Bills, and that's okay. in tough weather too. In Both tough weather, games, but yes. you have they. They lost Matt Skur, their center. 
Ronnie know? Stanley, their left tackle, is a concussion right now and is iffy, especially on a short week. And the Bills put heat on Lamar Jackson. And, you know, obviously he can shift on a dime and do crazy stuff and run for huge yardage, but they found a way to get three or four people around him and collapse the pocket and make it life tough for him. It's not the, if Josh Allen could hit a pass, I mean they were beatable right. in that day, and it even a quarter took, of their punts on the season came in that game. It yeah. even took Lamar those three touchdown oh, throws were really good. Well, it was like two, it was three because wow. they barely punted. It's one all. reason why Lamar is the MVP, I think, by a decent amount right now. Is like even the three touchdowns that he threw, they were not easy plays to complete. Like that took a extra special effort for him to get those three touchdowns. They could have been held to a lot less. You know why Lamar has to be the MVP? He's going to break Vic's rushing record, single season, and lead the NFL in passing touchdowns. How can you give it to someone right. else? No, and, uh, at this point, you well, and Russell Wilson just had a big loss, and he's not been pristine over the last three weeks. Is a long time, though. I've seen some people say it is over. It's like, all right, there's three okay. games. Three it games. Can, it can happen. And a nice season closing uh, test for my boy Darnold. He's got at Ravens, home Steelers, at Buffalo. Yikes! To close out the year. So, uh, if he is indeed making progress, we would see it here. If he's kind of flatlined. Well, uh, or behind, behind that offensive line against teams that get after quarterback. It could be trouble. If he's plateaued, I shouldn't say flatline, because uh, he's coming off probably his worst game of the year against the Dolphins. So I'm hopeful, but he faces a challenge here. Um, all right. That's that. Before we go on. Uh, We're not picking we that home, game? <laughs> I'll take the I'm locking up the Ravens. <laughs> um and the other thing I think is like, does Adam Gase get the most out of his players on offense? I mean, that's a thing that it's we... A, it's a question that keeps coming up. Because you see it popping up. And I don't know if anyone's drawn that correlation yet, but no. keep an eye on. Only every 15 minutes do we ask that question. <laughs> um, all right. Mark, you wrote a banger. Didn't read it yet. Just went up. But I plan to. You wrote about the Raiders. You wrote about the end of Oakland football in the NFL. Uh, and you talk, And you spoke to... A lot of people connected with the organization and got a better idea of where the vibe is during this uh, historic time in the organization. Yeah, we, it, among them, Art Shell, Tim Brown, Fred Blitnikoff, Marcel Reese, Phil Villapiano, who is like a, a linebacker from ages old, and you probably would recognize him from old Raiders NFL films, but was about the most interesting 13-minute conversation I've ever had with an ex-football player. <laughs> he I mean, always speaks his mind. He speaks his mind. He was dropping F-bombs. I mean, he was having fun. Who was and, the biggest uh, jerk that you spoke to? <laughs> had to be, no, like, uh, Amy Trask, too, and she was awesome because you're getting people. She wasn't the biggest jerk. No, she, she was, was No, yeah. she was very valuable because okay. they're coming be clear. from different angles here. Uh for me, because when you write these things and you kind, of, I and I don't handle them well. Like I, like just van it. Like I'm not really mentally aware, and it was really hard to do like preview shows where I'm trying to write this and do the game study, and at the same time, and that probably showed. But it's I just got sucked into. Don't it. nag yourself. You always do nag yourself when we do these. But it's things. it's just because I I just became all consumed <laughs> okay. for like a 48 hour period by a team that like I don't think I've ever really felt the Raiders thing the way that I feel like I'm supposed to for the drenched in lore and how of an un, how much of an underdog they were starting in the AFL and and toying with bankruptcy that Ralph Wilson of the Bills had to like loan money to the early Oakland Raiders operation to save the essentially the entire NFL because they would have been down to seven teams so all these little steps along the way and then Al Davis shows up in a way that Bill Belichick would and is seen by some who were around as one of the finest NFL coaches in history. And I just, little things that, you're, that I learned along the way sucked me into the Raiders' experience and made me really fall for them hard for, 
you know, during writing this. And it's like, it's, you don't want to become married to what you're writing about, but it was impossible to not feel bad for the fans of Oakland because I think this move has been easier, obviously, than many others. But the people in Oakland specifically who have lost the Warriors and they're now losing this team that's been, you know, t- tied to their heart for so long is a tough one to swallow. And I, I, I get the Raiders travel well and they're going to go do what they do and they'll be fine in Vegas in a very different way. But I don't, one thing Amy Trask mentioned that I thought was true was that you go to that Coliseum, which is its story of its own. It's like 98% Raiders fans. And it's you. And, and if you're a Chiefs fan in a Chiefs jersey, good luck to you and your family. But <laughs> Vegas, Vegas is a different story. I think you're going to get a lot of different types of people making that part of three day weekends. And I and she made a point that it's there may be a paradigm shift. You cannot count on that percentage of silver and black loyalists in the crowd at that point. It reminds me a bit of Baltimore and their love affair with the Colts and it was taken away from them, where the Colts players, like, this was at a time in the 50s where they're living next door to fans, interacting with them, see them in the bars. Raiders fans in the 70s, you might see them at a uh, Altamont concert or something like that, dropping acid, you know? Yep. Uh, but th- that same kind of thing where you feel ingrained in the community like that and, and just took ownership. The fans took ownership of that team. 100%. Check it out, NFL.com slash... Silver and black. Silver and black. And there's already uh, reverberations here. The Raiders just announced that they've waived the following players, Preston Brown, Terrell McClain, and DJ Swearinger. Maybe not because they didn't read your long form. Maybe that's maybe that's something that they'll look into. Well, for those players, I, I mean, it just I went was... up. <laughs> <laughs> Strange. Yeah, it would be weird. But uh, check it out, Mark. I know you put a lot of effort into it. And your journey just begins because now this weekend you're traveling up there to the black hole. Uh, to be there for the final home game. And yes. it will be the final home game because at 6-7, and seven, you know, they ain't winning the division. There will be no home playoff game. No. This is the end of the road. Good stuff, Mark. All right. We will be back together again on Thursday, uh, uh, previewing all the week 15 games, including uh, the game Mark will be covering, uh, Raiders against Titans. Ooh, that's a good one, too. No, Jaguars. Raiders against Jaguars, not so good. But you'll get a W out of it. Gardner Minshew. Oh, the Minshewvians yeah. will be out. Now, yeah. will you wear your Minshew jersey? No, I will definitely not hole. be wearing a Gardner Minshew jersey <laughs> in that sense. And after the game, yeah, you're not going to. What a fan are you? You can't, you can't go try to talk to the Minshew mania, the Minshew No, this after is the not, game. he's not the, cent- the focus of this. So Imagine you're wearing a Minshew jersey and the Raiders lose 24-21 in overtime and you just start asking about the end of Raiders football in Oakland. I speed. In the black. Totally absurd. <laughs> <laughs> a terrible way to go about one's job. Uh, but you will be, just so everybody knows, Mark won't be here for the Sunday recap because he'll be busy working and writing uh, and hopefully still be alive after that event. Um, but you will be drafting on behalf of others who will be filling in for you. Come yes, Sunday. and there is a specific strategy that I will be employing. All right. There, sure there is. a little is. cliffhanger <laughs> there by Mark Sessler. All right. Uh, let us go. This is Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm. NFL.com slash silver and black. The Ooh, mailman. Nice. The old boss. And Ricky Hollywood, hang in there, darling. Thank you. Till Thursday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 